0: Foes. they're in business together. Danny Bush knows the Carlisle Group since years before. Been raking in billions and itching
1: for more. It's, it's Blood for Oil.
2: I'm Danica from Code Pink. Welcome to our radio show presented by WBAI 99.5 FM in New York City, WPFW 89.3 FM in Washington, D.C., uh, KPFT 90.1 FM in Houston, and many other community radio stations like Western Mass Community Broadcasting, WMCBLP, 107.9 fm we're also on spotify and apple podcasts check out our website at www.codepink.org forward slash radio where you'll find all the all of our episodes from episode one to our most recent so today we're talking about local organizing against the military industrial complex. And I have organizers from where I live, Chicago, to talk about their local organizing efforts, um, what we can learn from them, and how to organize locally in our communities against um, war and militarism. So I have Riley Albright, Grace Siegelman, and Steffi De La Torre. Um, from all from Chicago, who are organizing on the Divest Mike campaign, which has one that I also organize with just for uh, transparency. Um, <clears throat> they have one core demand, and it is to get their representative, Mike Quigley, to sign a pledge saying he will refuse campaign funds from the top five weapons manufacturers, which are Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, Boeing. North of Grumman, and I'm missing one. What am I missing, guys? North of Grumman, Lockheed Martin, Boeing, General Re- and General Dynamics. Yes, Riley, thank you. Um, so I just wanted to talk to you all because I think we've done a pretty effective job in Chicago um, creating a network that makes our member of Congress a bit more accountable to us. Um, Mike Quigley represents District 5 in Illinois, which is parts of Chicago and the Northwest suburbs. He takes thousands of dollars from the top five weapons manufacturers every election cycle. He's represented us since, I think, 2010 when Rahm Emanuel vacated Illinois District 5 seat to be Obama's chief of staff in the White House. he, is run, he was running unopposed um, in a democratic primary that took place a couple of weeks ago in Illinois. Um, and now he's going to the general election in November um, against a Republican. So thank you all so much for being here. Um, <clears throat> there's a very like solid core group of organizers in Illinois district five that's been working on the divest Mike campaign. Um, but there is an origin story um, that Grace was very much a part of. So, Grace, I want to ask you about Medicare for Mike. Um, can you? This was a campaign that took place prior to Divest Mike about a year, calendar year before. But can you tell us a little bit how that originated, what you guys did, and how it
3: went? I'm trying so hard to think, like, how we first started doing it in the beginning, like what the first like thought bubble was and like the organizing process. Um, I don't know why my memory has not been able to like function in a way that I can remember, but yeah, we were basically out there um, every day of the work week um, and every day that the office was open, um, urging Mike Quigley to sign on to Medicare for All. Um, And yeah, just bringing neighbors on and bringing people in District 5 who might not have organized before or were organized in different parts of the city um, or for other causes and really interconnecting how healthcare and community are one in the same. Um, We had a lot of special events. We did like Halloween in March, right? Halloween in March. And there were some costumes. There were some competitions. We had a hot dog eating contest. And, yeah, just keeping a sustained campaign, um, being, like, annoying, being silly, and just kind of staying in his face. And one random day, we saw, like, a tweet, I think, that said that Quigley had signed on, but we didn't know anything. So I called his office, and we're like, hey, did you sign on? And they're like, yeah, we did. Any other questions? No. <laughs> like <laughs> oh,
4: God.
2: I remember that day. So um, just to clarify, we were outside of Quigley's office in uh, Lakeview um, Chicago every day um, every morning for three weeks, I think before we signed on like it was like he signed on within 15 days of us being out there. Um, Grace, you remember anything about like the first day like what we did that day or like, I think we just shared stories from like people who lived in the district.
3: Yeah, we just had a lot of testimonies from different neighbors and people of all ages, just talking about their struggles with healthcare and how it can't be a priority in a lot of their lives because it's so expensive and healthcare is so difficult to navigate, um, and how Medicare for all could ease a lot of those tensions and a lot of those struggles for so many people. Um, it really, I think, it really brought us together on that first day because it gave us a reason to be out there every morning, and um, I think it really exemplified that we weren't doing this in a political matter. It was really based just in community and wanting to be there for each other and be there for ourselves. Um, yeah, thank you.
2: Um, we decided to do we just decided to target Mike Quigley for that Medicare for All campaign because it was like in the middle of the pandemic. It was pre-vaccine, I think, right? Like a couple months before the vaccine came out, um, where we were like, he was the only representative in Chicago who hadn't supported Medicare for All, and he never had, and he was actually like vocally outspoken against Medicare for all. So it was actually really impressive what like 12 young neighbors could have done. But um, it was it was cool to watch and be a part of, I think, because um, we think of like healthcare and like the military industrial complex as these big, broad national issues that we can't affect at a local level. But our in was that, you know, this is our person like my quickly, whether we like it or not, is represents us in Congress. And it is ridiculous that when a majority of Americans support Medicare for all and definitely a majority of people in our district support Medicare for all that our representative of Congress doesn't. So we are able to affect national politics at a very local level by getting this moderate Democrat um, who I think is not progressive in any way to sign on to such a progressive policy. Um, And he was the 114th co-sponsor when he had never ever supported Medicare for all before. Um, So out of that group, a year later, actually not even a year later, I think we started working on it maybe six months after, um, started Divest Mike, (laughs) which is like I said earlier, a campaign to get him to stop taking money from weapons companies. Um, The idea part of Code Pink's larger call to disarm campaign, which is asking a bunch of representatives to sign this pledge uh, to refuse money from the top five weapons companies, because it affects so many different policies like if we want Medicare for all. like politics of care as it goes, we have to defund the military and defund the Pentagon budget. And that's not gonna happen if all of our politicians are bought by the top five weapons companies that lobby to make the Pentagon budget in the first place. And over 50% of the Pentagon budget goes to these weapons manufacturers. Um, They benefit from arms sales. So if we wanna stop an arms sale, we can't do so if all these politicians are bought by the same companies we were just talking about. So Divest Mike was born. Um, Steffi and Riley are a little younger than me and Grace, so they kind of came into this work during Divest Mike, which is very exciting. Um, Do either of you want to talk about um, the organization you're part of at your university, like what it is, what it does?
5: Yeah, sure. So we did get involved through a student organization at DePaul University called um, Chicago Area Peace Action DePaul. It's like a student org section of the Greater Chicago Area Peace Action of the citywide organization. So it's like the student org part to the parent org. And um, I joined it pretty early on this past, like 2021, 2022 school year. Um, And just like throughout the year, it's really, just an anti-war, anti-imperialist organization where we tried to like, um, throughout the year, like one of the events we pulled off was we organized a Yemen teach-in um, just to get more updates about the war in Yemen and what's going on there and what key facts that everyone should know. Um, we did other stuff like a an action week where we picked a couple of issues to highlight throughout our social media and Um, try to circulate that everywhere and we kind of split up into groups to develop those. So a lot through Kappa DePaul is where we started to hear about Divest Mike since Danica used to um, lead Kappa DePaul in her previous years as a student of DePaul.
2: Awesome. So can any of you talk about what Divest Mike has looked like from um, the very early stages um, too. I know we all sat outside of Mike Quigley's office for a month straight um, in May to June, I think it was. Um, so can you all talk about how it started, what it looked like, what sort of tactics like Collins, sit-ins um, you all have used so far? Maybe Riley can answer this one.
4: Yeah, when I first joined, we did a lot of leafletings and canvassings, which is always important. I do that for other work too, but I feel like when we started to ramp up and we did the um, daily actions and we started calling the office, um, I feel like that really like started to kick it up because that is when he started to pause taking money from weapons companies and co sponsor the War Powers Act. He hasn't signed the pledge yet, but... I mean, when we started, like, actually getting into space, I feel like that's when it started to show some progress. And then, yeah, I mean, definitely, like, the daily actions definitely got me more involved, especially when we had the original protest back in February. And there was, like, a large showing of 40, 50 people. That really, like, kicked it off for me and got me more involved than from previous leafletings.
2: What was canvassing like? So in, uh, just for listeners who may not know about Chicago, Illinois Five represents a generally like wealthier district. Um, so we were canvassing in Lakeview and Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park is um, where DePaul is, which is why Kappa DePaul is involved in the in the work. Um, but what was it like? I mean, I, I know I, I sort of went into the leafleting process. It's like, so basically our literature looked like, Uh, call Quigley about this, here's a script, Um, here's why taking money from these companies is bad. we talked about the environment, we talked about political corruption, that kind of thing. Uh, But did you have any interesting conversations or did anything stick out to you while canvassing?
4: Definitely more so students than actual like just residents. A lot of students were interested I would have professors who let me give class presentations and almost every student in the class would take one. But then we would, we would be on the streets by the public transport stops. I and mean, then less people took it, a lot less, a lot more, more like, maybe like businessmen and just like people who wanted to go home. But the students were very engaged with it, which was very exciting to see. It reminded me of, I know Grace was more involved with the um, dining hall workers fighting for new contracts. So it reminded me of that. When that was going on, a lot more students were involved than like just Lincoln Park residents.
2: Thank you, Riley. Uh, I don't know if Grace and Steffi had anything to add about canvassing, if you wanted to.
5: I would just add that we had a good select few neighbors come out and talk with us. I feel like I noticed that more in Lakeview And it was, those conversations were always really neat because sometimes it was just like, they would, in receiving one of the flyers and maybe just doing our little spiel of, this is what we're doing. They'd be like, wait a minute, just stop in their tracks. Like, what is this again? Like just wanting to understand everything we're about and like willing to just take a few minutes to like listen to us. Um, And I thought those were really cool especially the responses we got where they're like, yeah, that's, that's awesome what you guys are doing. Um, and just
3: like the solidarity in that.
2: Thank you, Steffi. Grace, did you want to add anything?
3: Yeah, I just, what I think of specifically when we did canvassing, and I think this speaks to our organizing as a whole is a lot of times, especially like both on campus and when we were just like handing out leaflets by Quigley's office, people would kind of stop us and be like, well, I'm concerned about this, or I'm concerned about like private prisons, or I'm concerned about the environment, or I'm concerned about, um, I don't know, like voting rights or something. And it really was a special time for our campaign to be like, hey, a year ago, we we were fighting for healthcare. We were doing this. This is all so interconnected. Under the military industrial complex, the prison industrial complex, divestment as a whole is so interconnected to so many other uh, struggles of oppression. And I think that was just a very special time to be talking with both young people and older people who might have been in past organizing movements, like in their past lives and stuff, who had memories of that. We could then connect that, connect those struggles to what we were currently fighting for and get so many more people on board because of the language we were using and the struggles that we were connected with and that we were supporting and they were supporting us and we were all in like, I don't know, bad wording, but it's, it just was a great example and a great moment to kind of show that this solidarity work is so interconnected and we are fighting for those same struggles. Um, and yeah, I just, that's what I love about both the Medicare for Mike uh, organizing movement and what we did now with Divest and what we're doing with Divest is showing those little little ties. That's definitely what
2: kept me going uh, when we were there. Like I had a, it, it's hard to wake up early and like be out somewhere uh, early in the morning, uh, especially every single day for a month. So it was really, really awesome to like when you did have those moments with people where like people who may have never been politically engaged come and talk to you and like ask you questions about what you're doing. and especially when people started recognizing us, Um, (laughs) which was cool. Like they knew what we were doing um, and they've heard of us and they, you know, we became sort of like a permanent fixture in people's mornings is like they would drive past the divest Mike people every day. Um, Yeah. Just to set the scene for everyone. Like we have a Twitter account called divest mic and Instagram. So you can like look at it if you wish. Um, But just to set the stage, like give you a good picture of what this all looks like is we're on a side street in Chicago off like a busier street. Um, where Mike's office is, and uh, there'd be about, you know, anywhere from four to 10 of us for, I think we maxed out of 15 of us every day, every morning. We had hot dog suits, because that's kind of become our signature thing. It's disarming. People think it's funny, so they come talk to us, and we've used three hot dog suits for this effort. Um, we have signs. Uh honk for healthcare, not warfare, getting honks from um, trucks and ambulances driving past us every morning. That was kind of our signature thing. So that's what it like looks like. Um, Riley, did you have something to add?
4: Yeah, I was gonna add to Graces. Like something that keeps me going is building a sense community we have with us, Mike. Like seeing people, like people recognize us. There's also people like the, there was one guy that would come on this balcony every day And there was some couple that um joined us a few times just like to be there in support of us and building that sense community like really kept me going knowing that like even if we didn't hit our goal we would still create a more a a community that cares more about each other
2: yeah that's huge and we have about a minute and a half until uh, we had take a little break um, so maybe we can go around and say like our highlights of like stories like that. Um, my favorite thing that happened during Divest Mike when we were out there every day is when that guy came out on his balcony, um, for the second time. Cause he'd come out and he'd like wave at us. Um, but the second time he came out, uh, we, he was like, so what are you guys doing? And we we're just yelling at each other from across the street. Cause <laughs> otherwise we wouldn't be able to hear. And he's like, so what are you guys out here for? And we said, our congressman takes money from weapons companies that's corruption (laughs) and he just went all right i could get down with that (laughs) they're just yelling across it was so funny and like i think it really uh, reinstated for me like that is what it's a it's about like our our political ideas aren't unpopular like no one likes money in politics and i think that's what we've been reinforcing for the last Few months or so is that no one likes it. Our ideas are popular. It's just a matter of like talking to our neighbors and people in our community to like activate them on this issue. Um, I don't know if any of you had other stories, specific ones.
4: Uh, one time when we were there, I think it was just like four of us, it was kind of downpouring. And I remember someone came out, came out of the gym across the street and like handed us their umbrella just to keep and just like drove, like they handed us their umbrella, drove off and just like just cool. keep the umbrella to block the rain.
2: That's so cute. Yeah, we were out there a couple of days in the rain. <laughs> Grace, Steffi, do you have anything before we have
3: our break? Um, I'm just being reminded of, I think like those in-between moments are my favorite because I think that's what really bonded us as just like friends, like, like I, I think like what I said earlier, like we were doing it for each other and we were doing this to like show up for each other and doing like something that is causing like direct change right in front of us. And I think just like when some guy would like flip us off or like some guy would like race past on his motorcycle and like cause all these insane sounds and get everyone like riled up like just like us laughing and joking and really just like becoming self-aware that we were sitting in Lakeview with hot dog suits and signs and looking so foolish but doing it because that's why we're doing it. it's like oh we want to make us look weird and like have people come up to us and yeah I don't know just like all the in-between moments I just I think back so much and be like, but that was like that was organizing that was movement building you know
2: definitely Steffi, you have anything?
5: I remember this one guy in particular who was kind of like, uh, approached us with like, what is going on? Give me this feel. I want to learn about this. And once we started talking, I think you in particular, Danica, had a, um, we're back and forth with the person. And once he started to understand like, what we were doing, Um, We had a lot of, like, just shared stories, like, he had, like, had, had, he, like, connected it and sort of reflected on just his work week and, like, other bad stuff going on with our systems in place. And I think just, like, those shared stories of, like, how we can get better support for each other in our, like, own workplaces, in our community... I think that was really cool, just to have that moment of a shared space and talking with each other.
2: Yeah, thank you. Just reflecting stories. Uh, Um, one sec. (laughs) Um. Thank you so much to Steffi, Riley, and Grace, and to our listeners. We'll come back to these three after a short break. Um, you're listening to Code Pink Radio coming to you through Pacifica Radio's WPFW in Washington, D.C., WBAI in New York City, and KPFT in Houston. We'll be back after this break um, with our same guests to talk a little bit more about different divest mic stuffs, recapping wins, and all of that jazz.
6: so much i wanna do but never say grass stains are on my shirt and on my knees Messing up my head, tearing through the tree
2: Hi, hey, welcome back. Um, my name is Danica Code Pink. You're listening to Code Pink Radio, presented in W, uh, presented by WBAI in New York City, WBFW in Washington, D.C., and KPFT in Houston. I'm back with Riley, Steffi, and Grace of the Divest Mike campaign in Chicago. Um, just to recap, if you're just tuning in, uh, these three um, and myself are organizing to get our member of Congress to stop taking money from weapons companies um it has looked like call-ins with a bunch of neighbors it's looked like writing to him via email it's looked like standing outside of his office every single day for a month straight uh giving his campaign the um the pledge we're asking him to sign Um, Steffi calling his office incessantly asking for a meeting. It's looked like Twitter storms. You can follow us, divest Mike on Twitter and Instagram to see what we're up to. Um, But I wanted to talk about this on Code Pink Radio to give people an idea of what you know, if they feel like hopeless when they think of the war machine, there are things you can do locally to really affect change and build the peace movement in your community in like genuine uh, ways. Um, uh, so, with that, uh, just to recap a few wins Divest Mike has had because of the incredible organizing of the people on the radio here with us today. So the main demand is to get Mike Quigley, our congressperson, to sign that pledge to refuse money from weapons companies. We had a sub-demand of co-sponsoring the Yemen War Powers Resolution to end US involvement in the war in Yemen. Uh, During our third week outside of Mike Quigley's office, that we were there every morning, he co-sponsored the Yemen War Powers Resolution. So that was a big win for us. Um, Another thing that's happened, uh, a concrete thing that has happened, is since we started protesting outside of his office every day, he has not accepted any new donations from these companies, which is a huge win, Um, but he has not signed the pledge yet, which is our main demand. So, you know, our organizing is definitely working um, and we're very, very close to a win. At least I feel that way. Um, His campaign definitely knows who we are, which is hilarious. Um, And another win that we are kind of talking about Um, is uh, prior to this break is the community building that's happened since we started. And that's like both within our organizing group. We have a group chat of like, I don't know, 20 people um, that live in the district that like actively organize on the campaign. But then also we meet people every single day that we're out there, whether we're canvassing or protesting outside of his office. Um, We meet people who live near us every day. And we talk to them about issues they care about. Um, we learn about what our neighbors care about, what our community cares about. Um, and they know that there are people in their district who care about them and would organize for them. And sometimes they even get involved too. So that's very exciting. And we've had people join from all across the city um, in our efforts. So that is huge. Um <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know. Steffi, do you want to talk a little bit about how much money he took in the last election cycle from these top five weapons companies versus um, now that we've been working on this issue?
5: Yeah, so in the 2020 period, he took about 50000 from the top five weapons producers. And as of this 2020 cycle, he has stopped at, I think, about like sixteen. Six, 16,500 from four of the top weapons producers. So we're monitoring the numbers. We had a member of Divest Mike uh, on constantly refreshing campaign finance debt. And um, so far it's been capped at that 16 and 16.5k.
2: Awesome. Thank you, Steffi. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about what else divest mike has looked like outside of um you know the protests aside from the pledges um i want to talk a little bit about um the mutual aid project that divest mike is gearing up towards um so i guess i want to i want to ask like why a group focused on the war machine and like tackling issues of like war and peace might take on a mutual aid project um and just to give some maybe Steffi, could you give some context of what this project will eventually look like just so the listeners can get a good idea before we talk about why divest mike would do it
5: yeah so we're gearing up to have a basically like a free store, free goods distribution where we get a bunch of materials together, like um, clothes, food donations, um, all kinds of like uh, hygienic products, feminine products or menstrual products. And just like come out in the community somewhere in Lakeview area to um, distribute these. At first, it was going to be like a free shelf at a local business, but we're thinking of rerouting to just uh, coming out like in a local Chicago park to distribute these goods.
2: Thank, Thank you, you. Steffi. Um, so I guess for like Riley or Grace or Steffi, why does this project like fit into the greater goals of Divest Mike? Why does it make sense for you all? <laughs>
7: I would say
4: it makes that like defunding the military to me means funding other categories of society. You can't fund healthcare and childcare and um, like food wellness for people without defunding the military. We already pay a ton of taxes in this country. We're just not paying taxes to the right places. So if we're giving all this money to the military, and people are still starving and homeless in the city all across the country. We have to take it upon ourselves to help these people if the government isn't going to. So for me, the biggest thing is we have to help these people until we force the government to help them, too.
3: Yeah, I think because we do we do talk a lot about um, talking to our senators, talking to congresspeople. Um, and we've created national change. We've, we've gotten people talking about um, legislation and uh, taking money out of the Pentagon budget. But like Riley said, like in the meantime, we still need to support each other and we need to support ourselves. Um, and we saw there was a direct action step that we could take to tangibly change our own community and our friends, our neighbors. Um, and I think that is truly what Divest Mike is as a whole is looking at the bigger idea and the bigger picture and the goal, the objective goal that we're reaching towards, um, but also looking at the here and now and understanding that with every goal and every plan that we make, we can along the way inflict positive, tangible change in our community that we can see today. And I just think that's what mutual aid is all about. I think that's what our community is all about. Um, and I think no matter how much we grow and how much our objectives change and get bigger or smaller, we will always be looking at the current moment and what we can do to support ourselves and our community today and tomorrow.
2: Thank you, Grace. Steffi, did you want anything?
5: Well, so Grace is speaking to the here and now and that made me think of just the here and now is this huge, economy war economy that's still we're still oriented towards and just like wages have not been aligned with productivity with the cost of living there's still like that huge disparity um
7: just like perpetuating
5: that's been perpetuated and also just like the um, wealth inequality has just persisted and getting even worse and worse. And it's like in the midst of it, these conditions not getting any better, actually doing the exact opposite, we're left here to perform these kinds of projects when um, we're not there yet and getting and making fundamental polit-
7: political change.
2: Yeah, definitely. If Mike Quigley's not going to invest in his community, we will. Um, we will. So, um, <clears throat> how how do you all like see what you've been doing, you know, whether it's the daily protests or Um, You know, you have a couple of fundraisers organized for the mutual aid project, which includes a beach party on Lake Michigan in a couple weeks. Um, So how do you guys envision like having fun? Like, do you have fun doing this? And what does that look like? And why do you think it's like important for group morale and all of that?
7: I have
3: so much fun doing this this is where like through these kind of campaigns this is where i've met so many of my great friends um this is where i have connected more with my old friends and my family i think another key tool in our organizing is using very accessible language and not (laughs) for lack of a better term gatekeeping what we're doing and why it's important um like you said earlier danica like our politics are popular you just have to connect it to people's lives and connect it to what people care about so I think once we like when we started that was like what we founded our politics and our organizing on it just became fun because it became about ourselves and our friends and our families so how can you not have fun when you're doing stuff that you care about and your friends care about and you're showing up for each other I don't know i i think there's joy there's so much joy in that and it just made everything easy because we were doing it to make each other happy and to make our lives better and with that comes just so much love and so much care so um
2: is there anything you all are looking forward to um you all had a sit-in last week. Um, is there anything else coming up, You know, whether it's the Mutual Aid Project or any other um, ideas you all have cooking up? I think of the beach party's coming up very soon.
5: The beach party, because we're also hoping to get as many community members, whoever wants to come up and help fundraiser or also just to hang out and speak with us and um just have a good time excited about that
2: um I think you know maybe we can wrap up with some words of advice to people who because after we won the medicare for all fight I had a lot of people from around the country reaching out to me being like how did you guys do this and like our sort of Practices became like lessons for other people. And you know, for all intents and purposes, we like we are winning the divest mike fight. We really are. He has stopped taking money from weapons companies while we've while we've been calling on him to do so. Um, so what do you think has been the most, you know, maybe all three of you can go around, what is the most useful tactic? And what like can you recommend to people who might be in similar situations around the country that want to, you know, organize locally against um, war in the military industrial
7: complex. I
4: have two things. The first thing I would say is annoy your congresspeople because if we were annoying the glass workers on the street, we know for sure that Mike office workers were annoyed and they're not gonna do anything if they're not annoyed. And the second um, advice I have is organize your workplace. In my opinion, like the biggest way to make societal change is organizing your workplace and democratizing the labor force.
3: Um, I totally agree with everything Riley said. And I also just think, just make your organizing accessible, connect it to people's lives. Um, just, yeah, just create, and also just create really great connections with other movements that are already going on. Um, this work is already being done in so many other places. And once you find that common thread um, between your organizing and your objectives and those of others, it's so much easier to um, further move what you're doing and to get more support for what you're doing um, because... You're showing up for their causes and they're showing up for yours, and you're connecting them. But yeah.
2: Thank you, Grace and Riley. Uh, Steffi, you want to go
5: ahead? Mm-hmm. Along the lines of finding that common thread between or- organizers, but also people who are interested in joining maybe your exact cause. Um, just like speaking out and showing how all these issues connect as we sort of reflected on before and why ultimately this is all in our own interest to make our lives better. Um, That's one thing. Another thing I found is like not to lose, like take advantage of when do you have a lot of momentum going and um, knowing when you have to maybe like, maybe you have like a period where things kind of stall or you have to regroup and find out your, and coordinate your next form of action. Um, just kind of taking, allowing everyone to sort of contribute to that and know that they're like a part, all a part of this and have a say. And so that like motivates people to, um, continue showing up and being in contact to make this work all of us together
2: yeah definitely just to kind of go off what Steffi was saying like one tactic we've always used is like everything we plan has been like a larger group decision like we have an active group chat where we talk about stuff but we also you know when we needed to escalate from like the daily protest to an all day sit-in we had like several meetings to like discuss that as a group and like decide what risks we wanted to take, um, you know, is it strategic to like risk arrest um, in this situation um, or is it not? Um, like what kind of things do we want to do? Uh, how how would people feel most safe coming to our events, you know? Um, so having like a actual like democratic structure for organizing has been really useful. Um, like someone has ideas and if, you know, making it a comfortable environment for people to be like, no, I don't think that's a good idea. I think we should do something else. Um, so that's been a really big part of this. And yeah, like Steph, he said, giving people a stake in the work that they're doing. Um, because really like that, that is what it's about. Um, you know, we all, um, to our own detriment have, um, our tax dollars go to um, the military instead of things that would actually be life affirming. Um, So giving people a stake in that, reaffirming their stake in it constantly is huge. Um, But yeah, this could realistically be done all over the country. Uh, Like Riley said, annoy your Congress people, organize your workplace. Um, (laughs) There's a lot to be done, a lot of work to be done. So as much community building that can happen as possible it's going to be very important. Um, do any of you have any closing thoughts before we wrap up? All right. Thank you to Riley, Grace, and Steffi for being here. Make sure to follow uh, Chicago Area Peace Action to Paul on social media, code PINK, and divest Mike to see what we're up to and help support us. Um, and if you're in Chicago, Um, Definitely follow Divest Mike. Definitely get involved in our work. Um, If you have family members uh, in Chicago, send them our way. Um, Thank you for listening to Code Pink Radio presented by WBAI in New York City, WPFW in Washington, D.C., and KPFT in Houston.
0: They're foes, they're in business together Danny Bush knows the Carlisle Group Since years before Been raking
1: in billions and itching for
0: more it's, it's blood for oil, we know there's
1: a link They say Code War, we say Code Pink It's blood for oil, we know there's a link They say Code War, we say Code Pink Code Pink Not you rock, but you ran. They feed you lies, don't want you to think. They say code terror, we say cold pink. They feed you lies, don't want you to think. They say code terror, we say cold pink. Cold pink freedom.
0: And the places we meet, they curtail our speech, our movement. They're under everybody's nose The Carlisle Group, since years before Still raking in billions and itching for more It's blood for oil, we know there's a link They say Code War, we say Code Pink It's blood for oil, we know there's a link They say Code War, we say Code Pink Code Pink, for freedom Code Pink,
1: for peace Code Pink, until hunger and war have ceased Code Pink women all genders and girls together we'll make
0: peace was obama really The hero, they say, sure, we take him back in a heartbeat today. But he deported more folks than any president known. And he commanded and expanded the reign of the drone. They feed you lies, don't want you to think. They say, code terror, we say, code pink. They feed you lies, don't want you to think. They say, code terror, we say, code pink. Code pink for freedom, code pink for peace. Code pink
1: until hunger and war. Have ceased. Code think for women, all genders and girls.